when's the last time you were able to network with your peers in the healthcare industry? Well, now is your chance. Join us this April with over a thousand executives at Becker's 13th annual meeting to hear C-suite discussions around consumerism, the nursing workforce, value-based care, and a lot more. You can register using the link in the description. We hope to see you there. This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michelle Winfield Hanrahan, Chief Clinical Access Officer and Assistant Vice Chancellor for Access at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Michelle, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk about some of the trends and the issues that we're following in healthcare today. So whenever we're ready to kick off. Fantastic. Well, I know we're going to have a great conversation and I'm excited to speak with you as well, just because I know you've got a breadth of experience and a lot um, going on on your end. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I've primarily been in the healthcare profession for the last 27 years. I'm a nurse by trade. Um, My first 18 years of my profession, I worked at the Cleveland Clinic um, and clinically as a nurse. Um, and my clinical practice was in emergency medicine and critical care. As a nurse, I kind of always thought there were ways to do things better. There was opportunities for improvement. And I had, uh, you know, sat down and took a long look and said, what do I need to do with my career to, to get into that space? And realizing that leadership was quickly the road that I needed to go on. Um, I started my leadership journey back in 2005 when I was given an opportunity to clinically manage the orthopedic and rheumatology uh, clinic at the Cleveland Clinic. And my career had just kind of grown from there. I went back to school. Um, I graduated in 1996 with an associate's degree from Lakeland Community College in Kirtland, Ohio. And I didn't go back to school until um, 2009. I went back and achieved my bachelor's degree, continued on my track for my master's of healthcare administration and wanted to round it out with my master's of science in nursing. Um, In 2005, when I started to manage the Orthopedic and Rheumatology Institute, that was kind of the big spur to continue to go back to school. So I I had a few roles in the the Cleveland Clinic in in organizational um, capacities. I managed um, their their enterprise-wide stroke program. And then from that, I was headhunted internally to start a, a joint venture patient access consultancy outsourcing company called Relate Care with a company in Ireland called Rigney Dolphin and the Cleveland Clinic. And that was probably one of the greatest experiences uh, for me through my consultancy role. I, I wore a lot of different hats at the ground up. You start from the bottom. I was marketing, I was clinical operations, I was a secretary. <laughs> so you learn a bunch of different things that you need to do in a joint venture. But as the company grew and we got into our groove, I primarily focused on, you know, with clients on strategic initiatives over across the country and internationally on how do we improve patient access? How do we get patients the care that they need? And that experience really led me to kind of where I am today in the role that I have as Chief Clinical Access Officer. Um, It was a very humbling experience and um, a great opportunity to see that no matter where you are in healthcare, almost every organization struggled with or has some level of challenge with the same issues um, over and over just in different capacities. Um, So it was was very great, um, and I really enjoyed where it led me to in my career today. That's awesome to hear, and what um, an amazing opportunity that must have been to work with Cleveland Clinic and and be over in Ireland and doing something completely new. It sounds like you learned a lot during that space, and is there anything, you know, through that role or the other roles that you've had that really 
um, you've taken with you into where you're at today um, at the University of Arkansas Medical Sciences, um, you know, in, in where we're at, I guess, in the healthcare delivery space as well. Is there anything that, you know, you really have found valuable during your time in your career? You know, I think one of the things uh, valuable to me that I've learned across that time is to really listen and understand what, what the challenges are. There's a lot of times when people present a challenge to you or say, we're having troubles with this or we can't fix this. And, you know, it, it's for a, a multitude of reasons. It's history. It's politics within the organization. There, there's a bunch of different things. And, and I would say one of the things I took with me is just always try to look at things in a different light. No idea is too crazy. No um, thought is not viable to, to put out in a meeting or to say, have we thought about this or have we tried this? You know, in healthcare, traditionally, anytime you go into a new organization as a consultant or as a, an employed individual, you have to kind of learn the organization. And there were many times working at Wellstar or here even working at UAMS where, you know, I've said, have we tried this before? And everybody looks at you and gives the big sign. Yes, we've tried it and it hasn't worked. And then when you dig into it and you say, well, how long ago did you try it? Oh, it was 10 years ago. And these are the reasons why it didn't work. So I would say that, you know, really um, think about things in an, as an out-of-the-box sense. What can we do differently now? If we tried something 10 years ago and it didn't work, are we better prepared or are we better strategically ready to take on that initiative now? So I think just really listening and understanding and throwing everything out that you think will help improve a process or a situation. Got it. I, I think that makes a lot of sense and, you know, is really great advice um, and guiding principles moving forward. Now, considering where we're at in healthcare right now, what are the top issues that you're following, especially headed into this new year of 2023? Um, there, there's so much on the plate, whether it's, you know, getting back from some of the challenges in the COVID-19 pandemic to, you know, where hospitals and health systems are at with a challenging economic environment in many respects. What are the top issues for you? You know, it's so funny that you say that, you know, part of my role in access, I have not only outpatient ambulatory access, but I also have inpatient access and care management. So my role focuses on from, you know, first time the phone rings to a patient coming into the organization, all the way through to us discharging them either to home, a SNF, long-term acute care facility. So, you know, I don't think my challenges are any unique than any other organization across the country. I think finances is a big one. Um, but I think when I look at financing or finances with the lens that I have, it's how do we, you know, generate revenue? How do we do more with less? What does that look like? Um, capacity is a very large challenge for us right now due to staffing constraints. We have beds closed. We aren't able to staff the beds that we have. We're not able to transfer patients like we would like to just based on the staffing um, challenges that we have. And then, you know, the other piece that I really am focusing on, um, two things really, virtual and remote healthcare, and then staff engagement and retention. You know, it's to your point, it has been a long two years that everybody from, you know, direct care um, people or nursing staff, as well as executive teams are tired. And, and it's just every day, it's a different challenge that gets thrown at us. And it will never take away, you know, the, the most important people during this pandemic were the frontline staff and the physicians and the nurses that were caring for those individuals. But there also was that knockdown effect on, you know, administrative staff and the executive teams. So how do we look at our staff engagement and retention and really, really focus on that? Um, 
I'm hoping that in my lifetime, I never live through another pandemic to this level, but you never know <laughs> what the future holds. So we won't know what that looks like. But um, when we talk about the key things, I think from my perspective, it's, it's the financing, staffing, and capacity. And as you know, that all rolls together and it's one big giant ball of yarn that everybody is trying to untangle and figure out how staffing feeds capacity and capacity feeds financing. So that's kind of where, where we are um, as an organization and, and where I am myself. We've um, embarked on a few things here at UMS. We have created a joint venture um, with uh, Hospital at Home and Emeticis as our partner. So um, Contessa is our Hospital at Home partner, our Emeticis is our Health at Home partner. Um, and we're working through that. We're just getting ready to kick it off, trying to find unique ways to find capacity in the hospital um, because we're challenged with that every day. And, you know, it's cyclical. Numbers are up, capacity goes up. Numbers are down, it's something else that kind of fills the bed. So without the staff, you know, and without capacity, we can't really have a huge improvement in finances. Got it. That is so interesting. It makes a lot of sense. And as you mentioned, something I know a lot of organizations are trying to figure out troubleshoot and uh, struggling with um, whether it's the staffing and workforce issues or capacity in trying to move patients through efficiently. When you look at, um, you know, this next year, is there anything that you have in the works or are planning on um, to really tackle some of these issues and um, hopefully, you know, create a, a little bit more of a, a space where you can build from there? Yes, currently right now, one of my visions for us at UAMS is a clinical command center. So, you know, every organization has an emergency operations command center, but not everybody has a clinical command center where all patient movement is going to flow through that center. I'm staffing it with clinical expediters, care managers, and then the hospital transfer center team, our EVS partners, our nutrition support team, patient transport, all of that is going to live in one hub so that we can really impact and improve patient flow throughout the organization. Um, I think there was a study that was done several years ago, and I can't remember by who, but there was a quote in there that stuck with me that just cohorting people in the same area will help eliminate and streamline operations and process. It's a little bit like the lean scenario, but um, you know, having someone sit right next to you and say, hey, bed seven needs to be cleaned. We're waiting on a transfer from this facility is going to go much quicker and more streamlined than making 17 different phone calls. Um, a lot of things that we struggle with from a care management perspective is, you know, there's internal and external barriers to patient movement. If the MRI team or the imaging team is bombarded with, you know, needs for MRIs and CAT scans and CTs and, and all the variety of things that patients need while they're inpatient and they don't know how to prioritize, we just have people sitting in the hospital that, that don't necessarily need to be there. So the whole the whole view and plan behind this command center is to have individuals that can work on removing internal barriers in the hospital and have our care management staff focus on the external needs on patient placement, the social work aspect of, of patient stays, and how do we how do we get movement in the hospital, decrease our length of stay, and, and you know and turn over our beds quicker. And you know there's a lot of um, literature out there, a lot of um, you know technology solutions. But if you don't have good process or don't have good, you know, processes in place, all that tech solution is just going to show you the output of your bad process. So we are really overhauling everything that we're doing and looking at it from a, from a huge lens of how do we impact movement and how do we get people through the system quicker and also with high quality and safety. 
That makes a lot of sense and really sounds like it'll be a great project to be embarking on in something that'll be very impactful for the organizations and patients as well. Now, what are you most excited about for the future and what makes you nervous? You know, with my nursing hat on, and again, I haven't practiced clinically, but you know, once a nurse, always a nurse, I'm so excited to see where the future of nursing is going to go. Um, I'm really hopeful that over the last several years, um, you know, the challenges and the tribulations and the trials that nursing has gone through, the increase in violence, the shortages, or the shortages, apologies, um, we will have a, a newfound respect for the profession and be able to really give it the recognition um, that it deserves. Similarly to the way we, we look at our physicians, everyone is a hero, no matter how you look at it. And we all know that patient care isn't just a nurse and a provider. It's people I referenced earlier, the EVS staff, it's the patient transport team, it's, it's everybody. It's, it's a collaborative um, venture, if you will, to care for a patient. I, I really would like to see nurses get the, the recognition that they deserve in and around the importance that they play in the healthcare system, in the healthcare delivery system as well. And, and I think we're getting there. Um, you know, one of the things as a nurse that I always struggled with, when, when you start to get into your leadership roles and you start to look at budgets and financing and you start to learn about, you know, what physicians get to charge for and tech fees and pro fees and all that good stuff, one of the very first things I said early on was, well, where's the nursing fee? Where do I get to charge for my services that I provide? And nursing always gets lumped into the global fee. And I think it would just be really awesome for nurses to be able to charge for the time that they spend with their patients. And I know that sounds really crazy, um, but it would be nice to be able to have that. You know, APRNs can charge for the time that they have. And I think it would just be meaningful to the profession as a whole that, you know, we could really demonstrate the importance of our services and the role that we provide from, from a charge capture perspective. That's really fascinating to hear and certainly would be a complete change from how things are done now, as you mentioned, and, and you know, would potentially alleviate some of the other um, stresses that, that go on the nursing profession in terms of, you know, the, the pay side and those things. I, I know number one is always patient care, but, you know, at, at that point, as you mentioned, how do you really make sure that the nurses are um, valued in the right way within the care continuum? And I think that would be just a fascinating change. It would be a huge overhaul. I think we'll get there. I hope to see it in my lifetime. We may never see it, but I just think that it's a, it's something that needs to be looked at. For sure, for sure. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I wanted to ask you about leadership. As we've talked about, there are so many things changing in the healthcare space right now. What do you think most effective healthcare leaders will need in order to be successful over the next two to three years or so? It's a great question, question, Laura, and I, and I really thought about this one for the past, you know, two or three days on, on, you know, what this would look like. And, you know, what I would say is patience, for one, um, you know, all of us like to implement something new and we want to see the output of it and the improvement right away. And, you know, if it doesn't, if, if, if the needle isn't moving in the right direction in the first week, I'm already saying, oh, this isn't going to work. We have to try something different. And, you know, patience, it, it takes time. You need to change a culture sometimes. There's lots of things that need to go into that. So if you, you really have to be patient. I think perseverance is another one. You know, every day we come in and we hear the, the bad news or, the, you know, you get your finance readout or you hear the, the capacity or the staffing in, in the organization and it's going to get better. You know, we just have to keep persevering and pushing forward, putting our employees first, 
putting our patients first and really making sure that, you know, we all reflect back as to why we went into this profession. As a little girl, all they ever wanted to do was be a nurse. That was what I wanted to do. It's in my baby book. My parents talk about it. And, and that's what I did. And, you know, nursing is so great that it takes you on a variety of different pathways. And it led me to this one where I really have an impact um, in healthcare delivery, how we get access to our patients, how we make it more convenient and easy. I've always said, you know, if I, I'm a nurse by trade. And in order for this profession to be meaningful for me, I may not always have to be touching a patient, but I have to be doing something that's going to improve the patient outcome or patient care. So I'm very satisfied in the role that I have because I'm able to do that in a multitude of different, different ways. And then, and lastly, I think I referenced it earlier, is just that ability to think out of the box. You know, it's the old adage, do more with less. Um, and we're all being asked to do more with less, keeping quality at the forefront, keeping safety at the forefront, and the patient experience. And I think as leaders, we have to start to look at more non-traditional means of getting things done. You know, historically, when you have a patient that needs to have 24-hour supervision, you have, you have a human sit in that room, you have a, a patient sitter or a patient tech sit, and there's technology out there today, you know, Abisure for one is what we use, it, you know, it's, it's, it's remote patient monitoring, and, and those are the things that we have to think about. But what I will say is it's a double-edged sword because when you're an organization that is struggling with finances, it's kind of like, well, you can, you can tout all this technology, but we can't afford it. So then that's when I challenged us as leaders to go back and say, how do we make this work? How do we look at healthcare delivery in a different way so that we can achieve everything that we're achieving or need to achieve, but also doing it, you know, from, from a fiscal responsibility perspective? And, you know, some of the things we've talked about, or I've kind of said from a nursing perspective, how, you know, we have crisis level staffing, you know, is this an opportunity or is today the day that we have one nurse focused on medication, we have one nurse focused on charting, we have one nurse focused on something different. And it's, it's not overly popular, nurses aren't going to like it, but we may have to look at how we deliver healthcare in a way that's not traditional in order to meet what we need. Um, and it may not last forever, but it, it's something that I think we have to look at. So you really need to think out of the box and find those non-traditional ways of achieving the goals that you need um, in a different way. That's really fascinating to hear and think about. And I love that idea of trying to think outside the box, trying to push for something that can really serve, you know, what the patient needs as well as the organization to be efficient and effective in providing care. And as you mentioned, too, you know, sometimes people are afraid of change or don't really, you know, want to change or are nervous about it. Um, so, you know, when you are approaching those that type of situation where, you know, you see a pathway forward um, that could be really amazing, you know, in, in helpful in many respects, but, um, you know, it, it will be a little bit more challenging to get people on board and, and really um, make that transition and switch. How do you approach that? How do you really, um, you know, work with the teams, even if they're not super excited about making a change, um, at least initially? I think one of the most important things I've learned in my career, and I learned it very early on, is people have to understand why we're asking them to do something different or change the way they deliver care or change the way they do a process. A lot of us have always been, you know, you come to work one day and you're told, you know, we're going to do this this way today. And, and no one explains the why behind it. And, or the why is, well, because, you know, it's a top-down approach and, and we were told this is what we have to do. 
for me and my team, I always spend a lot of time with them and, and, and empathize with them. And, you know, I know this is going to be different and I know this is going to be a challenge, but this is why we have to do this. These are the reasons behind it. These are the objectives that we're trying to meet. And this is the type of outcome we're looking for. And I've found great success. There are always some, but I've found great success that if people truly understand why you're doing it and the meaning behind it, they're more than likely going to get on board. It, it takes some time. It may take six iterations of that conversation, um, getting some quick wins early and an ability to show the benefits early on, um, I think is very helpful. But I, I've really found that when people understand the why behind it, they're really willing to, to, to row in behind and achieve what needs to be done. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really outstanding discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Great. Thank you so much.